HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. season. Hearts and Seizures is a very special show. We're going to be tasting some wine today with uh, two of my very favorite wine professionals and sitting in for Judy McGuire this week, who is out on assignment because, yes, we do that. It's like 60 minutes over here on Hearts and Seizures is Jesse Kiefer of um, the show that follows us, which I'm sure you've heard because Mike and Judy are like Art and Seinfeld. We're the, the lead-in show that the network wants to ensure those great ratings on Jesse from the morning after. It's great to be here, Mike. <laughs> Two o'clock is kind of early for me. I'm used to three o'clock. So. <laughs> well, we're going to start drinking a little bit earlier. We're going to get you in good shape for your show. And joining us is Jean-Luc Ledoux of Ledoux's Wines. Hello. Where is Judy? Uh, Judy's we, not, she's on assignment. That's all I'm she's on say. assignment? Okay. She's on, she's on assignment. She misses you terribly because she loves it when people bring wine to the studio. I, I know she does. That's why I come. And, and, also, wine. and also, Andy Chernoff, we've been spending a lot of time together, Andy, you and I. Am I the first guest to go back-to-back on a week? Uh, that could be. You know, yes. And actually, yes. not only back-to-back, but um, this is your, your third or fourth <laughs> appearance, so um, is, yes. you're, you're, you're in the running. You're, I, think you're, you're, about my, I think it's my fourth appearance. You're in the running. And of course, Andy is the punk rock sommelier. You still wearing that crown? I still wear it. Yes. <laughs> do, 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 do you, are you wearing it now? Uh, I left it at home. <laughs> um, the beauty of this, of course, is that we're bringing back together the dynamic duo of Jean Luc and Andy. Um, used to uh, work over in uh, Jean Luc's fantastic bottle shop, a shittick that I am proud to make, proud to have made. 
I know, and we treasure your coming every year for, for Thanksgiving tasting when you come in and play some dirty blues. Wasn't that a gas yesterday? We were doing the Thanksgiving tasting yesterday at John Luke's store. I brought my guitar back by and um, got kind of toasted on Calvados while everybody else was tasting. Oh, isn't that nice? It's the reunited music. Oh. <laughs> Very Cause, good. Because uh, I'm, I'm just oh, moved to tears to see you guys. See you guys together. All right. Well, John Luke, you've already opened up a bottle, I see. So let's get right to it. Well, you know, every, every year, you know, I, you invite me to come. Thank you for, uh, for a little tasting pre-Thanksgiving. And I thought today the, more, you know, the appropriate thing would be, would be to bring an American cider from Maine. Mm-hmm. You know, something probably the pilgrim made when they arrived. And that's a very old-school, traditional, bone-dry, tart, dry, uh, dry Riesling uh, that's made by the Oyster River Wine Growers in Warren, Maine. So from very old... Uh, oh, it's very nice. Orchard. It's, it's very tart, light, very light carb- carbonation. Yeah, it's a great start of the mm. day. It's low in alcohol. You know, while you're cooking the turkey, you know, or you're, like, you, you're welcoming your first guest in the afternoon, mm. or uh, you just want a little glass to refreshing to start the day. Breakfast. You know, like... It's like it's like breakfast Thanksgiving that's, stuff. That's right. It's you know. sessionable. <laughs> um, I, re- I really like cider. I mean, I think cider's gotten a little bit of a bad name because so much sweet cider and um, you know crap, crap stuff they put on top and some of these sports bars, which is like it's like apple soda. It's really I find it undrinkable. It's so sweet, but this, this is delicious. I mean, this this has flavor. It's got a little bit of earthiness. You know, they they use over a hundred different kinds of uh, centennial apple orchard. Right on their farm, it's a, it's a real farm-to-table type of place, and uh, they you know they grow a lot of vegetables, they grow a lot of apples, they actually make wine as well. Uh, it's a pretty pretty cool operation in Warren, Maine. Well, apples are cool. I don't you know you know you know I love the apples. I was so I was mopping up the Calvados. <laughs> you love the Calvados. <laughs> I love the Calvados. I love you know. Apple Jack. Um, well, in your part of the world, where you're from, where they make the Calvados, we it's a little bit northern of us in Normandy, but mm-hmm. we make cider. Yeah, and it's great. Well, I love being in Normandy. I had not only Calvados, but I had apple ice cream. It was the first time I ever had apple ice cream oh. with Calvados. It was just like apples everywhere. But, of course, New York State's good for apples, speaking of local. No, absolutely. I was, I was going to say, being in, in the wine world, you can look at cider apples in the same way that you can look at grape varieties. Uh, lots, of, lots of spots upstate are doing single variety, New Hampshire, all over, all over the country. Is this single variety, or do we know? No, no, no. Apples? It's multiple varieties. You know, I'll tell you what, what's amazing is you walk into your fairway or your Gristini's or your local farmer's market. I counted one day. Um, I'm not OCD. I was just stoned. Um, <laughs> but what fortunate times we live in, you know, what, what great times we live in. There were like 14 different kinds of apples on, just, on, a, on, a, on a random day, not even at the peak of like fall apple season. I mean, how fantastic is that? That we could just go into a store and buy, you know, Granny Smith's and Delicious and some from Washington, some from New York. Green, but usually red, the apples yellow. that you'll find at the supermarket would not be the one that you'd want to use to make cider with. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> well, what kind of apples would you uh, make cider, cider with? I mean, super, usually like super malic, very tart, um, very starchy, a little bit of tannin in there um, to kind of make this funkier, drier cider. Yeah, it has a little funk on it. I used to love, in Spain, we used to drink a lot of cider up north in Astorias, mm-hmm. you know, where you drink the cider, which is uh, even a little tartar than this, and um, maybe even a little bit lower alcohol content, you know, where the fellows, they pour it over their heads into the glasses so it aerates properly. Yeah, Asturias, fantastic. I just want to say, this is a great choice for uh, for Thanksgiving. You know, if you even, I would, even with the meal, I would have yeah. this for the meal. I mean, I feel like so often you start... Mm-hmm. You it's start delicious. drinking too quickly, and this would definitely be right. something it's actually perfect. It's, it's, right. it's a long meal. It's a long, a long day. Meal. And um, 
It's very American, also. Well, you know, usually around this time of year, we talk about the Beaujolais, too, uh, Jean-Luc. The Nouveau Beaujolais is always out, which I know you are not a fan of. I am not a fan of Beaujolais. I almost brought a Beaujolais. No, the Nouveau, Beaujolais, you, Beaujolais, Nouveau, 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 Nouveau. Beaujolais Nouveau. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Beaujolais Nouveau, I'm really not a fan of. I think I didn't want to bring a Beaujolais this year because I brought one last year. And uh, and I think it's such a perfect wine for Thanksgiving. It's a light, fruity wine. Again, it's got a little bit of earthiness to it if you choose one of the, of the great producers. Do, you know, don't settle maybe even for Beaujolais Village. Go for the cruise. There are nine villages that can add their name to the to the village, like Morgon, Moulin, Avant, Julianas, etc. And and I think they are they are like well priced wines that are perfect for Thanksgiving. They they can go with a whole array of food. You know, what, what, what is the problem with the Nouveau? I mean, why do we dislike it so much? It's a, it's a gimmick mm-hmm. to sell uh, bad grapes. In, uh, well, you know, I think the idea, the original idea to have a wine that would be served in a in a in a bistros of Lyon on the third Thursday of the same year of the following year would be was is a fantastic idea because you you know it's a, it's a fresh wine but it's been so commercialized and it's become such a gimmick as as you say Andy that it it has no relevance today. I was gonna. Sorry, no, Jean-Luc, sorry to interrupt. I, I think it's slightly genius because they're one of the only wine-growing regions that gets rid of maybe 50% of their juice, <laughs> you know, early in the season while everybody else has to wait for it to age or, you know, no, it's develop. Certainly, it's certainly easy to buy into it. And you go to any liquor store and there's so much signage and so happy, ooh, you know, the Nouveau, you know, has arrived and, and like that. But the truth is, it's, it really isn't, isn't good wine. Uh, most times, once in a while, there's a good Nouveau. No, every once every uh, ten years or so, isn't there something that's coming out interesting? that's a little bit less boring. I wouldn't have known. I haven't had one in, in, yeah. in a long time. I, <laughs> I put one on the list on the twenty first, the mm-hmm. third Thursday uh, of this month, and I was I was super happy with it. It's a Jenny and Francois, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. natural Beaujolais right. Nouveau, just really light, delicious. I was yeah, happy. Yeah, with yeah. It. Okay, well, we're moving on. You guys are... I'm not drinking fast enough, apparently. <laughs> I know. But I really like that cider. That could be um, that could be my breakfast drink from now on. Uh, so well, still, you- still thinking about it's a long day. There's a lot of wines to enjoy. You know, it's a family day. And it's also, I think it's actually a wine that goes really well with a lot of the s- different style of food that you get for Thanksgiving. It's a cabinet Riesling from Germany. Mm-hmm. This comes from the Faltz. Uh, it's a producer called Darting, which is... Uh, not very well known, but we, which I, who I think makes fantastic wines. They have vineyards in one of the best vineyards side there called Mickelsburg. Uh, and again, it's, a, it's from the 2012 vintage, which I think is going to come down as one of the great German vintage of the last 10, 15 years. Um, and I think for under $20, it's a great bottle of white well, wine. Let's give it a taste. You know, I would say this is another good choice for Thanksgiving because the alcohol is low. And when you're drinking over six, seven hours... It's keep you uh, keep you alert. You know what I love about it? It's oh, got it's it, got a little bit of, of sweetness it, to it, it, but there's got amazing bracing acidity in the center of that and great minerality. It's true. It does come right at you with a little bit of um, acid right on the tongue, but it is sweet. I feel like it can take the place of that cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, you want a little something sweet with your turkey because turkey's usually pretty dry, mm-hmm. and this is the perfect. Turkey's dry. Things. What are you doing wrong? I, I mean, come on. What do you mean your turkey's dry? Are you cooking this year? Never. I <laughs> never made a turkey. Actually, I'm for replacing cranberry sauce. So my least favorite part of the Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Me, so please. get rid of the cranberry no, no, sauce. No, 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 no suburban German irony recently. that it's only cranberry sauce if it actually retains the shape of the can it comes That's, from. I won't eat it unless <laughs> it looks like that. I swear <laughs> to God. So where are you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving this year, Jesse? Um, I am actually headed up to where the pilgrims actually landed. First, uh, Cape Cod. 
Okay, uh, to visit my uh, my grandparents, Doris and Bob Kiefer, uh, living up in Chatham. In Chatham, which is yeah. near Plymouth, which I guess uh, where the famous rock is. Well, no, b- believe it or not, I think they started first in Provincetown, mm-hmm. and then they and then they came to Plymouth. The pilgrims were gay. <laughs> well, they did erect a very, very tall tower there. So doesn't possibly. mean they're bad people. <laughs> um, fucking pilgrims. Uh, um, yeah, uh, cranberries are indigenous to Cape Cod, aren't they? Isn't no, that? absolutely. Cranberry bogs are incredible. Right. Um, I've been able to to see them, you know, filled with water with the cranberries floating on top, and just totally dry bogs. It's 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 really cool. I've never seen them harvested though. What does a cranberry taste without? It's unprocessed. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Very tart. I've never had one yet. Very, very tart. You never had anybody sort of cook it down and try to, you know, be, be kind of hippie like with their cranberry sauce and you know replace the you know the can of Ocean Spray or the store brand stuff and then just be like shocked that it really is very tart mm-hmm. and um, I you guess have to idea, add a bag of sugar to it. I mean, bas- yeah. basically, the uh, store the cranberry sauce that we had when we were kids is like jelly, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, biting into a fresh cranberry gives you that like bitter beer face. Remember that? <laughs> Lips sucked in. Cheeks, eyes squinched. Um, but you know, a little, a little sweetness on the turkey is, is, is always good. So I'm making a duck this year. This is my, my big thing this year. I'm make, making a duck. Andy, this, you're a Jew. This is your opportunity to say, why a duck? <laughs> Can't believe you let that one <laughs> sail by. Um, and um, to really uh, make it extra special, I got a, a, the pomegranate glaze. We talked about this. Right, because you do a little sweetness, I think, on the bird, um, right. and then a dry wine. I think this might be too sweet to actually have with the bird, though. This riesling that we're drinking. No, no, the, no, the no. acid's there. Uh, the yeah. acid's there, and I think you know, with all those, I'm thinking a lot about the side, those sweet potatoes, all the things that you're on. I think this is, our, you know, you talked about cranberry, like sweet potatoes. At some point, mm-hmm. it's just like overwhelming, and I think this adds a little bit of a layer of acidity or vibrancy mm-hmm. to, the, to the dish. You no, know, sweet potatoes are so naturally sweet. If you've had a yam, you know, lately, I mean, wow, wowie zowie, just so natural sugar. What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Andy? You cooking? Um, no, I'm going to my cousin's house upstate. New York. And they good? Is this going to be a lot of fights? A lot of- no, no. <laughs> my family, I have no problems in my family with rivalries and people fighting. Uh, so, um, and have they met the new fiance yet? Yeah, have you said. All right. What about you, Jean-Luc, my French friend? I'm going to Connecticut to uh, Thanksgiving with some friends. A nice New England uh, Thanksgiving? Nice New England Thanksgiving. Anastasia and Sebastian? Yeah. Oh, that'll be good. Very that'll nice. And what, what wine will you be bringing them? I predict a lot of good wine for some reason. I predict a lot of good wine, too. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. You're going to bring go out um, big and bold and red? I mean, usually you, you know you, I usually You know what I love? You've Zinfandel for many years. No, well, that's not... No, I have not preached Zinfandel. I've more preached like Beaujolais for Thanksgiving. Zinfandel for me is so... It's so big, it just it overwhelms every type of food that you serve, with, you know, especially on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's why I like lighter Pinot Noir-style wines. Uh, however, this being said, Thanksgiving, I said, drink what you want. It's a long meal. There's all, all kinds of flavor on the table. I think it's a time when you're with family. You bring a good bottle you want to enjoy with friends. And I'm not really trying to follow a recipe. The one wine that I love to have for Thanksgiving is a White Chateau of Dupape or something that's Roussan-based. Yeah. I think it's a big, bold, white wine, but still with like great, you know, great center, great core of, uh, of, of to it. And I think it stands out to a lot of food. That's actually my favorite wine for Thanksgiving. To drink white wine with the bird and everything else. Yep. All right, tell you what, let's take a break. Joe, uh, we got some special wine drinking music, and we'll be right back. This is Arts and Seizures right here on the Heritage Radio Network. Down in New Orleans where everything's fine All their people just buying that wine Drinking wine is their delight And when they get drunk they start fighting all night Knocking down with us, breaking down doors Drinking half gallons and coming for more 
me, you got a nickel, I got a dime. Let's get together and buy someone. Somebody will pipe, somebody will pour. And if you buy a half gallon, you play this part. Take a wine, wine, wine. Hey, buddy, pass that pie for me. Hail Mary, for our sherry. Sweet Lucy, I'm a good one. We're back on Arts and Seizures. This is Mike Edison with Jesse Kiefer, Jean-Luc Ledoux, and the punk rock sommelier, Andy Chernoff. Anybody drunk yet? Getting there. Getting there. So I want to remind everybody, too, Monday, tomorrow night, uh, November 25th, we are coming out with the Heritage Radio Network first ever Thanks Hanukkah Holiday Riot uh, special tomorrow night going live at 8 o'clock celebrating the double mitzvah, as my people like to say, <laughs> um, of Hanukkah. And Thanksgiving tomorrow night, live at 8 o'clock. We've got a room full of guests, um, a cast of thousands. Judy McGuire will be back from, from Bahrain, where she's currently on a side. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, hopefully no worse for the wear. So what about Hanukkah? You like many candles this year? Um, you, you that well, my, my fiancé wants to start celebrating Hanukkah. I think so. it's lovely. Yeah, I, I, I didn't do it. It was a big thing. I'm, I didn't come from a religious family. We like candles very casually. But it looks like it's going to so become gonna be, something. Going to be drinking that Shevitz? Uh, no. You know, I don't. I hate ironic wine. I really can't stand ironic wine. People buy Manischewitz, like like you know the, the canned cranberry sauce, and you know and it's kind of like the, the, I'd rather ca- drink the casserole, fries. limited soup mix, and all that. It's like you know, there's like bad American or Jewish American cooking that people seem to find comfort in. I only just makes reminds me of growing up, which was you know kind of miserable. There's so much good <laughs> wine. It's actually some very good, reasonably priced wine if you really search. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather drink Crasdale grape juice than Manischewitz. Jeez Louise, it's probably not as even as sweet, the, the, the grape juice, as the Manischewitz. Uh, what pairs nice with potato pancakes, with potato lacos? Some nice fried food. Champagne. Champagne. Yes, yes absolutely. Underrated like food wine, champagne. <laughs> if you have the money, it's a great food Champagne wine. works with everything. It's the, the acid. Champ- <laughs> Ch- champagne from France? Champagne can only be from yes, France. Yes, no, you know what I mean. Spark, sparkling, sparkling wine or um, American uh, sparkling wine, okay. I, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's tons of great sparkling wine being produced today. Uh, Schramsberg does some good stuff. Yeah, they, ma- they do. And actually, I, th- I think like the, they make Blanc de Noir and also a sp- a vintage. And I think it's a really nice bottle of sparkling wine. It's, they're the official supplier of uh, any uh, presidential function for sparkling wine, actually. Really? Because of Nixon. Yeah, he loved it so much. Just Nixon, that toss pot. <laughs> um, I thought he was more of a bourbon guy. Isn't it the champagne that he no the sparkling wine that he brought to China with him? It's, it was the Blanc de Blanc from okay. Salzburg. Yep. Yeah. Well, far, <laughs> fucking out. Um, so, well, speaking of American varietals, I mean, do we think it's important to drink American wine at Thanksgiving? It's a uniquely American uh, holiday, our version of Thanksgiving, anyway. Zinfandel? Well, well, Zinfandel, American varietals, but you all, listen, listen, Jean Luc, you would listen. How many times did we do Zinsgiving at, at your bottle shop? Many times when we first opened the shop, you know, uh, and. Uh, 
I you know, don't get me wrong. I love Zinfandel, and I think Zinfandel, when it's well produced, and I, I'll I'll name a wine group that I love called Ridge, which I think makes some mm-hmm. of the first mm-hmm. makes some of the finest wine in the country. Period. Mm-hmm. And their Zinfandels, uh, whether it's the Light and Springs, uh, are, are just great wines. Now, the thing I'll say about Zinfandel, we tend to think of this as a wine. It's not made for aging. Uh, I think those are some of the greatest aging American wines. And, and you can start a setter for not too much money with Zinfandel and just like give them 10 years, 15, even 20 years for the best. And you're going to be blown away by how they develop. It's, it's one of the most interesting and uh, aging grape, I think. Well, you, you taught me to really um, like Zinfandel, not wine. It's sort of, I think, in a bad rap because of so much white Zinfandel and it being in Zinfandel, a reputation as being sweet. And whatnot. But sometimes you just want that big, bombastic glass of wine. But, uh, maybe not with food, but maybe with some, some cheese or just to drink on its own because it's like the rock concert of wines. Well, listen, you know, I love, I love Zinfandel. I love Thanksgiving. I'm not sitting for five hours worth drinking 17 degrees alcohol wine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. Okay, speaking of American uh, wine, um, it has a French name on it, your name on it, but this is a American Pinot Noir we're going to taste next. We finished with an American wine for, uh, for Thanksgiving, and another one of, of one of my favorite grapes to go with uh, Thanksgiving, and I, that's a day that I wouldn't go for the big, expensive red burgundies. This is a day for American Pinots, and if you want to go French, you know, go with a simple Bourgogne Rouge, a Ladois Red, or, or something like that. Something simple, fruity, direct, not too complicated. This is made by one of my favorite American winemakers, it's called Jim Clendenen, mm-hmm. from Obo Clima, uh, and it's from the Santa Maria Valley. And actually, the label is made by a friend of, uh, of yours, Andy, uh, Elizabeth Gregory Grun. Uh, who's a New York artist and uh, so every year I ask her to do a, a special design for our It's label. gorgeous. It's very psychedelic for those in Radio Land who can't see it. So Joe, why don't you give us a little wine tasting music while we tap into the Pinot Noir. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Someday. Oh, we got all Chin-chin. these hazards. Oh. To, uh, I know. There's wires and... Obstacle course of wine. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought... I thought... It hurt. Well, not this year. This okay. is, this is, okay. This is, this is, this is nice. Well, um, this, is, this is your um, second uh, private label Pinot, no? Yes. Um, and it was 2006, is that right? Uh, first vintage was 07. Oh, we used oh, to make those wines with the Hirsch uh, Vineyard uh, on the Sodoma coast. And then... Uh, I was talking with Jim a few months ago, and I said, you know, I want to make, you know, uh, an affordable American Pinot Noir. And, and I think that, that Jim's wines at the, uh, at the affordable Pinot Noir level, there's nobody that compares to him in America. It's very difficult. I mean, an inexpensive, well-priced Pinot Noir is sort of the holy grail of the wine world. Well, it? the thing is, like, you know, you can make uh, uh, inexpensive wine is pretty much any grape. And the, the hardest one to find something of good quality is Pinot. Because it's such a precise grape that can't, it can't be too hot, you know, uh, can be a too long growing season. It has to come from the right terroirs. It's thin, very complicated. Very thin skin. It's a, it's a moody Yeah, grape, it's a very yeah. thin skin. You know, it's very finicky. It's, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I want to know why, as, as someone from France, you chose to, uh, to make wine in the U.S. versus in, in France. Well, A, it's simpler. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, I really believe in, uh, in American wines. I, lo- I, I really like uh, great American wines. I think like for a few years, lo- a lot of people are always misguided with wines that were over the top, that were big, that were very alcoholic. There's a whole new generation of, uh, 
of winery owners and winemakers in California, in New York State, in Oregon, that are uh, really uh, offering now more flavors, less alcohol, wines that I think are deeper, I think wine also that would age better. And, you know, if you look at, uh, going back to Ridge, you know, I just recently tried some very old vintage from them, and they're very simply made wine. Mm -hmm. And they aged amazingly well. So... I think this is, this is delicious. It is very light. What's, how strong is this? How many chocolates in this? Probably like 13. 13, so, so I can drink 19 glasses. You can drink 19 glasses. <laughs> so you can drink like five more glasses than the Sinfandel. Well, Screw the glass, Mike. Just go to the bottle. It's interesting how um, oh, tastes change because 13% used to be kind of high for, for, for wine. Now 12% was considered to be the, the average, right? Now 13% yeah, is kind of the average. I mean, 17% is kind of out there, right? 17 is oh, very high. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right. Right? Very, very few wines are 17. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you look back to like Ridge, Old Ridge, like 83, it's all 13%. Yeah. So it's like, why are, why were winemakers in, or still doing it today, winemakers in California getting these like ridiculously high alcohol percentages? Because as Jean-Luc is proving right now, you don't have to. Well, I think it's great that you're championing uh, American wines, Jean-Luc, because I know a lot of uh, my friends in the wine business, especially people who are kind of Eurocentric, really look down on quote-unquote new world wines versus the old world and think that California will never catch up to France or Italy. You have some very metro wine friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where else? I mean, I've had some great Pinot Noirs aside from California, obviously, but from the Pacific Northwest. Um, yes, absolutely. From Oregon and Washington State uh, at a great value. Mm -hmm. uh, Oregon, I'm sorry, great, great wines, you know, from, uh, from Yamil County, you know, I think, um, you know, they're kind of closer in, in style to what we see in France, what we get in France as far as Pinot Noir is concerned, although I would say that today the, the region in America that makes the wine that are closest for me to the, the paradigm of Pinot Noir, which is Burgundy, is the Sonoma Coast in California. Uh, for me, it's such a fantastic growing area. I uh, have still recently discovered, I mean, first wineries, you know, were established in the seven, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and that's great. No, Washington State for Syrahs, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, can, can really achieve some beautiful things just before the Cascade Mountains. So how much, how much will a bottle of this set me back? This would be $26. At nice price. And the Riesling that we were just enjoying? Uh, 19 and the, and the cider? And the cider, I forgot. I think 12 12 bucks. And where could you buy these wines? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I'm glad you asked. I was going to tell you. Uh, you can get these wines at my wine shop, which is called Lodi's Wines, on Washington Street between Morton and Leroy in the West Village. One of the great, one of the best wine stores in the, in the city also. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I always have such a guest yesterday, of course, was eighth year in a row, Jean-Luc. I know. I know, you what, know. I, what happens we do 10 years in a row where um, I, come, I come down with my guitar and I sit on a couple of cases of uh, whatever is lying around. I, I, I pull out the magnum of Calvados. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, slowly get toasted all afternoon while I... And you have to, you have to, to drink the whole magnum yeah, and continue well, playing. Well, it wouldn't so. be the first time. I sit there with my bottleneck and my guitar playing music inspired by Led Zeppelin 3. Well, you'll, <laughs> you'll be coming in a wheelchair eventually. No, man, but, but you know, it, it's, it's nice because um, I remember when you opened the shop, and that's actually when uh, you and Andy uh, met when I introduced you guys uh, eight okay. years later, and the show is... I mean, the, show, the store, I mean, seems like you're, you're doing great. And through the recession and everything, I think we met, people when are we, drinking, drinking, drinking. I, I think when, when we met, you were trying for me to uh, translate the lyrics to I want to be your dog in French. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Je suis le petit corps rouge. <laughs> oh, the little red rooster. Yeah. I'm sorry, little red rooster. Um, because Jean-Luc's secret punk rock passed, and I called my uh, friends, your buddies from Brittany, who now live in Toulouse and put out the Dig It fanzine. Oh, Gilles Dacospirac. That's, that's right. Great I'm, friend of mine. And I was about to go on tour with my band, uh, the Edison Rocket Train, and I wanted to sing a song in in French because there were a lot of French dates in the tour and I think it's only respectful to speak a little French and to you know get a little closer to my audience and I chose 
uh, Little Red Rooster, Je suis la petite coque rouge, because it sounds so nice and I can actually spit that out without too much difficulty. Um, they said, oh, you must call our friend Jean-Luc, he will help you, because my French really is atrocious. And um, we're talking to Jean-Luc, and he's helping me out, not realizing that I was in the wrong chance at the time, one of, uh, a band that you love very much, and part of the whole garage rock scene, and we became very fast friends. That's when I said, you should meet Andy Sheeran off the punk rock sommelier. <laughs> I remember, and we went to we had dinner at John Luke's house, and we, we had some real, great wine, and we got totally drunk. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you got a new job out of it. <laughs> uh, eventually, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it was a fa- uh, fantastic. You know, I had been in the wine business for a while, and had studied wine. I didn't really learn wine until I worked with John Luke. But uh, amazing but I taste- guy, and I, I keep on calling him every once in a while. It's like, hey, you sure you don't want to get back in that wine business thing, Andy? He's like. No, I got better things to do. No, no, I don't have better things to do. I just have other things. He's got other, 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 other weenies to roast. Yes, sir. Um, well, this is good. So, what else John, would you recommend for people looking for uh, well-priced wine? I mean, one thing I always find the problem when I bring wine to my family. I mean, it's it's pearls before swine. They know nothing about food or wine, and there's no reason for me to spend money, you know, to pour into their glasses because they don't they don't get it. Right. Um, right. So I'm always trying to find that that sweet spot where I can drink it and enjoy it, but I'm not blowing you know fifty sixty dollars on a bottle of wine for people who would drink the Manischewitz and not know the difference. So well, I think the Loire Valley in France mm-hmm. offers such an array of wine that are pretty pleasant, maybe not the most overly complex wines in the world, mm-hmm. but are just wines that are a pleasure to drink, and from white to red, and even sparkling, but like wines from Chenat Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, Cabernet Franc, even some Malbec in some areas, are, are just, and, they are, and what I like about them, they're not only about just fruit, they have a personality, they have a sense of place, they have a certain earthiness, they have uh, uh, also you know, great minerality. Uh, so discover wines like Chinon, Savenier, Anjou Blanc, Anjou Rouge. Uh, I, I, I I don't know what you. I love those wines. No, I was going to say. I mean, my idea for the perfect uh, Thanksgiving wine for myself would be Chenin Blanc from the Loire Valley. Absolutely. There's so many spectrums you can you know you can get the specific appellations, Bouvray, um, but I feel like just like Anjou Village, just go easy going, little bright acid, little apple. Maybe a little residual sugar, and I think it'd be perfect with turkey. I think so too. Hey, one more Can question. I come? <laughs> yes, absolutely. One come more, up to the cave. One more question before we go, Jean Luc. There's something I've been meaning to ask you, and that's about decanting wine. Um, because I'm getting, I'm getting the idea that maybe I, I drink a lot of wine in the fifteen to twenty dollar range. That's my table wine at home: Cote d'Iron, Malbec, Rioja. These sorts of things that are you know good, solid, affordable fifteen dollar bottles. Um, should I decant that? Is that going to open it up? Is it going to make a difference for those kinds of wines? Yes. I think that most wine can really benefit for being open for at least half an hour mm-hmm. in a decanter or even just in a glass. Uh, B, uh, don't forget about white wines. Mm-hmm. I think white wines may benefit as much, if not even more, from being decanted and, and, and open up because they have, they're usually more acid-driven. So, you know, they, it's not, they round out a little bit. You know, it really just let, you know, decanting and exposing the wine to air really helps the breathing process of the wine. Can I give a different opinion on that? Please, <coughs> Roxabalier, please. I enjoy <laughs> opening a bottle of wine, pouring it right into the glass and tasting it, mm-hmm. and then seeing the evolution of the air, how the air changes the wine over an hour, two hours, and that's, I, I really enjoy that I, I, like, I like that too. I enjoy the, that. It opens I'll come up and back taste. to Andy with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, totally agreed. But I think if you pour it into, into a decanter, mm-hmm. even if it's 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 
and you're just going to get from the bottle the wine just doesn't have much room to open mm -hmm. to open up over time and i think if you just put into a decanter you just give it a chance to breathe mm -hmm. and come around not, maybe not even quicker but just like more harmoniously I'm not saying that the wine doesn't get better when you decant it. I'm just saying I like to see the process of it opening up and mm -hmm. over over time how air affects the wine. It's just a different way of enjoying wine. Okay, well, but I'm I do. But decanting wine will definitely make it no, taste better. Uh, absolutely, and no, I, I agree. I do like opening it up and tasting it and saying, "Well, you know, ten minutes and twenty minutes, it's going to find itself. You know, it's going to be a little bit more confident and open with, with us um, and, and like that." So I have an old bong at home, and I'm going to clean that out and use that. To <laughs> <laughs> my wine. Once again, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet here on Arts and Seizures. Don't forget Monday night, the Heritage Radio Holiday Riot. Jesse, you're going to see you Monday night. Absolutely. So for Jesse Kiefer, John Luke Ledoux, Andy Chernoff, and Joe King of the Engineers, this is Mike Edison and Judy McGuire in absentia. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.